3: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: It's The Marketers Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
4: Celtic state of mind I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted on this Wednesday to be sitting in the hot chair for Kevin Graham and to be joined by Brian Degning and Colin Watt Guys, it's the start of a new era The age of Ange begins today Uh, First and foremost, Brian, how are you feeling about this? Because generally these types of games are dead rubbers There's a different element to that today, isn't there?
5: Aye, uh, there certainly is. There's a, a curiosity factor, I think, amongst everyone. Um, I'll be honest, personally, I'm buzzing for the day. I'm really excited to see it. I don't think it's going to give us, you know, the, the answers to the post-acoglu mystery box, but I think what it will do is it will... We've been to, I feel like it's the first time we can watch Celtic and be optimistic for, for a while. And I, I can't wait, even though it's a friendly, to see sort of hints to how he's going to set up I think, obviously, the players will be totally different from now until the first game of the season, but I think it gives an idea of how he wants to set his teams up. And you might see a few gems. You might see guys like, like Dembele or Connell or, or some other guys we've kind of wanted to see and get a wee taste for them. So, so I personally can't wait just to see how it is. Um,
4: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think other players. I'm just watching that footage from last night, Colombia against Argentina, and um, the the cac houseery that was going on during the penalty shootout. I would like to see a bit of uh, Barky, as I think Ange calls him. I'd like to see a wee bit of him coming to the fore. Um, our very own goalkeeper, Colin Watt. How are you feeling? We've been without. Celtic in terms of football for a wee while, obviously we've had the Euros, Copa America if that's your thing, but this is the, you know, it just feels as though for me, everything else is a distraction, that's how I operate in the world of football, um, it's right back to the Celtic and it's all about the Celtic, that's how I'm feeling today, even though it's, uh, it's a friendly, the game's going to be played in three 30 minute sports I believe, any right. idea if it's a 10 minute break in between? Uh, each section of that game don't know why they're doing that um, but it's 3.30 minutes Uh, we're going to be covering the game we're going to be doing our pre-match Brian will join me for the pre-match we'll also do a a post-match but because they're splitting up the half-time we won't do two very small um, half-time preview uh, analysis
6: shows either so Colin how are you feeling about this the Age of Ange begins it's almost getting to the point where this is what you've been looking forward to since probably you get put out the league cup by Ross County last season. Um, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, but no, it is an exciting um, step. Pre-season friendlies are generally quite boring, but the fact that it's been uh, like what about a hundred days or something since we could have looked forward to a Celtic game, then suddenly it's a kind of clean slate. Everyone's looking forward to watching Celtic and I'm actually excited to see the kind of players that get a run out today. It's the first time I've heard that this is going to be a 3-30 minute thing. I I don't know. That's usually what they do for behind closed doors friendlies. Um, I know there is no fans in there today, but with it being on TV, I didn't think that was going to be the case. But if that is the case, then I think what you might see is a couple of different teams that Celtic put out and we get to actually see the the full utilisation of the squad from what I've seen from the training videos it does look as though there is quite a heavy squad that's been sent down to Wales to do the the training camp I think Andrew's looking to get to know as many of the players as he can he's sort of mentioned that in interviews Mm -hmm. and the B team Um, actually played, I think it was Caledonian Braves yesterday in a pre-season friendly. And by all accounts, that was generally an under-17s team that was there. So that tells you the amount of players that are down in Wales. So I think there'll be a, a chance to see some players that maybe fans aren't aware of.
4: Well, the thing with that, Colin, and you've spoken about it, there's some players who you champion who are maybe not in the same bus as you. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who, which types of players? I mean, Brian's mentioned Dembele. Is there anyone else? Or do I even have to ask you who else you would like to see today? <laughs>
6: um, I don't know if Dembele is actually going to be playing. When you looked at the the would up thing that Anne's done last week, there was three players that were running around the track um, apparently, that's due to some injuries that they were carrying, so they weren't quite involved in full training yet. And that was Bali, it was Dembele, and I believe the other one was Mikey Johnson. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if they've managed to get themselves back into the, the first team training. But I'm looking at guys like uh, Dane Murray in centre midfield, Luca Connell, who I know you're desperate for me to mention. There's a um, the Claxon, there's a the Claxon, <laughs> Colin. Uh, Jonathan Affalabi up front as well. I'm um, really mm-hmm. interested to see him. Um, and out of the taking that away from the sort of youngsters, I do think Leo Connor will make a start today, but I don't think that should be something that comes as a surprise to people. I think he is someone that's ready to integrate himself into the first team squad. But I'd be interested to see Albina today mm-hmm. because, by from all the clips um, that we've seen from training, he is someone that they've sort of focused on, they've highlighted on. He does look as if he's trimmed down a bit as well. So, will we finally see? what Celtic saw in Albion to pay the £5 million in them for and what West Ham
4: seen in the player as well Colin I mean exactly I think as a footballer and as a professional at this stage of his career he'll be looking at the fact that he's kind of faded away from the international scene he's a player who uh, there were high hopes for at West Ham if you have two bads um, you know, spells at two different clubs. Then people are looking at you thinking there's a, there's an issue. It's not a temporary yeah. mismatch. Um, it didn't work out at West Ham. Didn't work out at Celtic. So, from a professional perspective, I hope uh, there's an impetus on his part to to really, um, you know, repay. The Celtic fans, I mean, repay the club Mm -hmm. um, and start afresh. And that's a massive one for us today, starting afresh. Now, this bulletin will be finished at half past one, as always. One hour later... And uh, Brian and I will be on for the pre-match I think it will be about 10-5 to 5. The full-time whistle will blow And uh, obviously at that point I will come back on And currently I will be joined by Lawrence and Tony But um, as with a lot of these things We might have a few other special Axom contributors uh, Joining the show as well Now I always find it interesting anyway I think back to all the different managerial Appointments we've had Colin Watt and you think about the uh, the early days, you think about the pre-season uh, trips to Ireland under Liam Brady for example um, you remember Ronnie Dela being uh, plucked out of obscurity to a degree uh, Mm -hmm. and and waxing lyrical about his football philosophy and thinking to yourself wow i can buy into that you think about tony mowbray and the wembley cup and all this kind of stuff colin and what i felt we need to do is we need to maybe look at two tenures of two celtic managers who are incredibly successful and let's go back to this stage of their Celtic careers. So I know that your team, when you think back to the day, the team that you associate your kind of Celtic childhood and growing up supporting Celtic uh, with is the Martin O'Neill side. So you're going to be speaking about uh, where we were when Martin O'Neill, his first game, who we'd brought in, how long he'd been in the job. Thank goodness Twitter wasn't a thing back then because we'd all be going into meltdown. And then comparing it to what became... Of Martin O'Neill's team. You know, he transformed from that period of time, you'll talk to us all about the game, to winning a treble in his first season. And Brian's going to do the same with Brendan Rodgers. And it's very interesting to see where we were on kind of day one in terms of, um, mm-hmm. you know, a match, a match day, and where we were at the end of that season, Colin. So let's go back in time to 2000 and have a look at Martin O'Neill's start as Celtics manager.
6: Yeah, so the first pre-season friendly that Mark, that Celtic's uh, side under Martin O'Neill played, was a game against Bray Wanderers over in Ireland. Um, now, here's the thing, right? It was put as an NTL Challenge match. Mm. Now, I don't know for me um, if it's just me, sorry, but NTL is one of those iconic Celtic sponsors when you look throughout the years. But the the, the question I'm putting out there just before we speak about this is what makes an iconic shirt sponsor is it the longevity is it the success that you have when you're wearing it i mean will we look back in like 20 odd years time and go see when we had that invincible treble it was Daffabet that was our sponsor is that something or is it the actual brand
4: itself well listen colin i love the fact that you've done a kevin graham on us and you've just taken us on a tangent so let's run <laughs> with it right um there was a brilliant conversation actually uh by david claxton all about you know, the sponsorship of a jersey becoming integral to the jersey design, Brian. So you think back to AC Milan, uh, Mediolanum, the hotel, um, you know, the hotel range that's in Milan. And when you think about the brilliant jerseys back in the day, you always, you know, think back to the sponsors part of the the, the design. You think of the retro jerseys now coming out, if it didn't have CR Smith on it, it wouldn't look the real deal, even though everybody knows it's a remake. You need to have that on it You know, it's part of the design. So I take Colin's point, but what I would say now is these things are kind of less important now. They could change every other season. And I don't think they are as iconic I mean C.R. Smith for me will always be the iconic Celtic sponsor a wee bit of that is due to longevity but also the fact that it was the first sponsor we ever had on on the jersey as well Brian where do you sit with this has it changed during the, the period that you've been watching football it's not really as important now um, I know a lot of Celtic fans would rather we didn't have betting companies or alcohol firms on the jerseys at all some would even say scrap the sponsor but I'm more of the view that you know, it's a necessary evil these days, isn't it?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a mixture of both. So, I'm like you, my, my favourite ever Celtic home top is the 1996, you know, the one with the sort of pattern through it. And I always remember CR Smith, I remember NTL. But I think it's because when I think of certain players, certain iconic players, I can picture them in the strip and I can just picture the... So the sponsor itself doesn't mean anything, but just seeing the logo is part of the design. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, has it became less important or did we just have kind of different memories of how we look back at things? I think like when you look back at like Martin O'Neill's era, for example, or as I say, the 90s the they're so distinctive in you know, the, the players we had and I think that you linked that together. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not quite the same. So for instance, I couldn't probably remember sponsors for the past few years. Because I don't think that as iconic in the players if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I and I think actually with this third I don't know if we're gonna talk about it, but this third shirt that's come out, that's gonna be a member for how low down it seems to be. The is almost like your navel. Now, you know if you've had a few beers and stuff, the last thing you want is a, a daphabet tattoo to across your stomach. So um I think it affect it can affect it negatively, but I'm not sure how how important it is now.
4: No, that's right, I think back to like Maradona playing for Napoli and Mars being the you you know, you you instantly visualise Mars being on the jersey the famous Liverpool team of the 80s, Crown Paints you think about these and and you associate with them, but then I also was interested um, on another one of the shows on A State of Mind where someone was talking about the fact that it's all to do with uh, a particular era in your life and it's generally a younger era where your observations are such that you take in a lot more of this kind of thing whereas as we get older you start not even paying attention to what the sponsor is on the jersey and and, and I think that's probably the same with myself so Colin you're even mentioning the NTL I don't Mm -hmm. um, I don't regard that as an iconic sponsor but that's because I was older when that was that was part of the the jersey so uh, straight away Colin goes into the game pulls out the fact that it was an NTL challenge match and takes us down a rabbit hole of sponsorship and brands in modern football nice one Colin,
6: anything else about that game? Well, let's let's go back. Let's let's take a look at the lineup from that game. So the, the uh, Celtic team yep. that, that lined up: Jonathan Golden Goal, Tom Boyd, Stefan Mahi, Jackie McNamara, Raphael Shade. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, Alan Stubbs, Paul Lambert, Bobby Petter Ayo Berkovich, Stelian Petrov, and Tommy Johnson. The Celtic won the game three two um, with a hat trick. I believe it was from Tommy Johnson, um, mm-hmm. someone who. Goes on to have a, a big impact, I think, which is probably underestimated further down in the season, um, It's including scoring the goal against St Mirren that actually wins the, the title. Um, but when you look at it, some of the subs that came on in that game, you're looking at uh, Kerr and Goal, John Kennedy coming on. Now, John mm. Kennedy back then, you're talking what? He's still, been... still here. He's still here. He's still here, I know. <laughs> That's how far back the the affinity goes. But how, how old must he have been there? Well, years? he made...
4: Yeah, he made his debut as a 16-year-old the previous season, Colin So I don't know, I'd need to check his date of birth I don't know if he'd turn 17 by now But he certainly made his debut as a 16-year-old
6: It is quite interesting though That it's sort of the last that you hear of him um, Until that sort of spell When he goes and plays in the new Camp And plays against Rangers and then gets injured mm. So you're then talking about another 3-4 years Before he actually becomes integrated within the squad So you're looking at some of these youngsters coming through And some of them that might be playing today and you're saying, right, well, they like some maybe a Barry Coffey might get a game and Adam Montgomery. But after two, three years, if they're not in the, the first-team squad, they're gone. But John Kennedy was actually still there when you get to the stage of Celtic playing in the new Camp. So yeah, that is yeah. quite interesting. Uh, Stephen Craney coming on, uh, Ryan McCann, Mark Fotheringham. Again, guys that never really got a chance. But a 3-2 victory and then Celtic make the journey over to Denmark, I believe it is, to play Copenhagen after that. But when you look at it, only maybe, I don't know, three or four of that squad go on to become part of the integral team that goes on to win the treble that season. Um, And guys like Petrov, he was only just starting to come back into the team Mm. after what had been a really difficult season under uh, John Barnes and Kenny Deglish getting played out of position. At times he was thinking about going home to Bulgaria. So that does say that there's two things that you've got to look out for today. One is, the team that starts today, look at that and compare it against the team that finishes the season. Three things. Look at that, look at some of the youngsters that's coming through and see how long they actually take to integrate into the first team. And the third part being, who are the players that are getting a second chance? Who are the ones that are coming yeah. in that you had previously written off and now are being able to be given a fresh list of life? Um, I mean, if I'm looking at the team I think might play today, uh, there's a couple of players in there like Albin Ayeti and, and maybe a controversial one is volleyball and Golly. I think he could be given a game today because there's not many other options at left-back. Mm-hmm.
4: See, when you're talking there about the, the fact that these youngsters came in to the, the squad, I mean, stage, Kerr had been in and around the Celtic squad for quite some time. I mean, he had played under Tommy Burns, Stuart Kerr, but certainly Kennedy, Craney, McCann, on these guys were the next wave of youngsters coming through Colin but um, barring injury out of that group of four players you really have got one guy who managed to craft out a Celtic career before it was uh, cruelly taken away from him. If you get one in four of the youngsters today that go on to do the same you're doing well. I mean that you know you're actually doing well. Oftentimes, a whole um, wave of players come through, and none of them make an impact in a team. So, of any of the young guys that you've already mentioned today, Colin, if one of them, if only one of them, is part of the team that uh, Ange uh, makes a success, and I hope he does, then I think you'll be doing well. You're talking about guys that done well um, who had already been at the club, got a new lease of life. You're referring to, to Stan Petroff there, eh?
6: Yeah, Petrov. Petrov, and,
4: uh, would you say Peta as well? Well, he's he's always mentioned in those terms, but I think there's a wee bit of revisionism goes into that because I'm not quite sure. I mean, everybody goes on about the 6-2 game and the Ajax game. Brian, I'll throw this one to you. I'm not too sure how pivotal he was, really, in Matt O'Neill's team. What's your thoughts on that?
5: I think he's one of these guys that almost became a cult figure based off the, the, the 6-2 game where, he, where he, they tore Rixon apart and I think mm-hmm. you're right I think when you look back now can you remember 10 games where Bobby Pett? It was amazing? Mm-hmm. No, probably not but you've got such a fondness for him and it's a little bit like Paddy McCourt because you remember some of his goals but how integral was he? And it's that, I think he's that type of player where Celtic fans kind of got a fondness for him and he you know he became known for a couple of things and then that sort of I mean, you'd never describe him as a Celtic legend, would you? you no. He's never going to be a full of fame, but... icon. affection for
4: I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the thing, the reason I bring it up, Colin, is uh, with Stan Petrov, back then, you know, famously, um, he struggled to not integrate only with the side, but with society and, and you know, coming over to a new country mm-hmm. with a new culture and the famous story, I'm getting a job in the burger van and all this kind of yeah. stuff and learning the lingo. Um, you would have thought... 20 years later or 17 years later when Brennan Rogers, 16 years later when Brennan Rodgers takes over, that we would be better at that. Um, mm-hmm. But indeed, I've heard reports that uh, the likes of Kouassi had the exact same issue. He comes over, he feels isolated, there's no integration, and you just hope that the club, when you consider that Ange himself is coming over to integrate into uh, a brand new culture, that the club are, are a wee bit better at doing that with any new players coming in.
6: You look at it and you go back to the time when Nakamura signed for Celtic and he had his interpreter with him basically all the time mm-hmm. Now he did then go on and he was one of those players that was determined to try and integrate, he did go and do English classes and things like that so he was someone that was determined to do it but Celtic put a lot of effort into that by hiring someone to basically be with him full time they can't do that for every single player but there's got to be some sort of support there from the club If that's if, I hadn't heard that story about Kwasi, but mm. does it mean that if, if you're not getting the help then the club doesn't think that you're as good as getting it sort of thing, like where does it, the line being drawn there?
4: Now you know it's an interesting one Colin because um, I think we've already spoken, there can be no passengers this season, every single person who's going to be part of this needs to contribute uh, positively so you can't have anybody on the periphery of that um, who are not contributing positively. I'm going to dip into the comment section. Strange Love the Doctor. Love that name. Hi, fellas. I'm looking forward to the game today. I don't think it will tell us very much, but hopefully, we can see some glimpses of the work done on the training ground starting to take root. 100%. You're commenting on YouTube. Uh, You can also comment on Facebook or Twitter, Uh, whatever you fancy, whatever platform suits you. But if you are watching on YouTube, remember to subscribe because over the coming months, Axom will be giving away prize draws at least once a month, maybe twice a month. to anyone who subscribes to our channel. And they're decent, decent prizes, Brian. This current prize is a a framed uh, BPI award for 2.1 million sales of The Verves Urban Hymns a gift I must admit that I wouldn't mind myself but that would be unethical if I was to win it so uh, someone out there is going to win it if you're local I'll deliver it if not it will get couriered down to you uh, or up to you now the underwater cabbage salesman talking about great names I'm looking for some forward passing through the lines and down the sides and less of tippy tappy side to side and backwards stuff come on Angie's boys did you watch the game last night Brian talking about fast flowing free flowing and never boring uh, football there was a wee bit of that on display last night
5: yeah I thought last night was a brilliant game actually um, for, considering it was a one each draw and then went to penalties but there was so much action so much passion and I think that's something I'm looking forward to today's. I want to see just how the team sets up how they play I want to see them a bit, of, a bit of design a bit of dig a bit of passion a bit of fire in their bellies because I think that's something that we really missed last year as well there was a a lot of meandering and I think that was partly the, to do with the style of football but I also think that the players were just sort of going through the motions I want to see some of the younger guys throwing themselves about you know really wanting to win I know it's a pre-season friendly and the results aren't really that important but I want to see them going for it I want to see that attitude where every every game every time you're on that part you want to make an impression with a guy like Posto Coglu who by all accounts is going to you know Bring through some of these younger players, it's a good chance for them to, to stake a claim, and, and hopefully, if they cement their reputation a wee bit in his eyes at this early stage, it could be good for them moving
6: forward. I think just Paul, what, s- sorry, on you I go, think, Colin. On you go. I was man. going to say, Paul, one of the things that we're looking for, um, and we don't know if we'll maybe see this out of the, the first couple of pre season friendlies, is the captain material who were are looking to be the new club captain. It doesn't seem to have been announced anywhere, so we're still looking to see who that will be. Now, going back to that game last night, just before the penalty shootout, Chiellini, he was outstanding just before the penalty shootout when they were doing the, the tossing of the coin and um, kind of squaring up with, with Jordi Alba, but making it like a joke. You could tell it really put off Jordi Alba last night by doing that. So it was already about the mental and psychological thing, and that's one of the characteristics of a great captain. Uh, and hopefully something that we can see down the line at Celtic.
4: Yeah, I mean, what I'm going to say as well, we comment, because there's a lot of comments coming through in relation to a story that broke on social media yesterday. Um, It would be wrong for anyone to comment on Axom until something is confirmed. There cannot be uh, trial by social media without um, any of the evidence being confirmed as evidentially viable. So regardless of what I uh, individually or anyone else on the show thinks about... um, Uh, the accusation or allegation, we won't be commenting on it until it is confirmed. And once it is confirmed, then we'll comment on it. People coming in and saying, you've spoken about things that are unconfirmed before. A transfer target or a wee bit of gossip in the transfer market is slightly different um, uh, than the story that broke yesterday. So we're well aware of it. No one is ignoring it. But we're certainly not going to take uh, any great delight in discussing it until the matter is confirmed or otherwise. So we will come back to that one just to clear that one up as well. Going back to Martin O'Neill. Uh, Colin, uh, some of the points I made looking at that game. So he was appointed on the 1st of June. By the time we played the first game under his tutelage, he had mm-hmm. been in the job 38 days, which is a lifetime as a manager in, at Celtic. And at that point, no one had been signed. Now, I know that the internet was a thing, uh, but Twitter, social media wasn't a thing. Had it been back then, we would have been going into meltdown 38 days in after a poor season the previous year. I know that we were in talks with Chris Sutton by this stage etc. Um, at this point we were 21 days away from Martin O'Neill's first competitive game in charge of Celtic Um, and as you said earlier the team that actually played that very first game against Bray Wanderers only four of the players featured in the eventual clinching of the treble and those four players were Paul Lambert Tom Boyd Jackie McNamara and Tommy Johnson who scored a hat-trick in O'Neill's first game what's your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that and what's your thoughts on the difference between the team that lined up for the first friendly against the team that lined up against Dundee United in the first competitive game
6: I mean, you spoke about Chris Sutton there. That's a a really good point. Chris Sutton, um, the deal was done for Chris Sutton, but there was contractual things that were going on in the background. I think he was still working on a bit of a a payoff from Chelsea because his wages have dropped coming from Chelsea to Celtic. Um, But that was all sorted on the day of the game, and he travelled up for his medical that day. Um, So it wasn't very long before we actually got to see Chris Sutton in the green and white hoops. Um, you go back to looking at who Celtics managed to bring in so far, a lot of the, the kind of movement has been players that were previously identified or work has been done on them. Um I guess maybe the exception being uh Gide. I hope I've said that right. I'll, I'll stick with Ozazi if I've not. Um but yeah, we aren't going to see really the signings that Ange is looking to make so far, and it does pair a lot of a similarity to the Martin O'Neill. Um, first team and that's why I was saying it's going to be very difficult to make a kind of overall judgement from today's game but what you are looking to see is slight differences now, we spoke about this a couple of months ago when we said we're not going to go into the new season and we're not going to see um, Celtic having made 11 or 12 uh, transfers that we think is actually needed because of the amount of players that's going to be leaving out the club but what we did want to see is we did want to see how the new manager could bring on some of these players. Yeah, And there is players at the club that we know need brought on. So even in that short time that they've been on the range, what's different? <laughs> Watching that Mike top video, the the best thing that came out of it was the idea that we've got to play and keep playing and keep playing and never stop. I think what he said was the only stop at half-time and we stop at full-time. And if the other team want to stop, that's good for us. Missing out a word there because it's a family the, show. The we bleep. The wee bleep? Yeah, you've not got the bleep machine set up. But no, I want to see that. If we are going to be playing 3.30 minute... I don't know, what would you call that thirds today? If that's the way it's going to be. From the, the minute that the whistle goes to the it blows again for the half time or the third time or whatever we're going to be calling it. I want to see that intensity from them. Mm-hmm. I want to see how much of Ange's sort of mentality has been passed on to the players and how much they've actually bought into it.
4: Yeah, one wee point before I pick up on that, Colin, uh, about Nakamura. Drew comes in to suggest that he never bothered learning English uh, and beyond the beaten track comes in to uh, say Japanese are very reserved and dedicated to their craft. Naka had a few good years. Well, he's still playing. I mean, Ange Postacoglu made that wee jibe himself uh, when he was asked about other markets that he's familiar with and the fact that Nakamura was still playing the Celtic players I've uh, had discussions with who played alongside Nakamura said that he could speak perfectly good English when it suited him uh, but he didn't fancy the whole media side of things so you know one of the ones um, again looking at the the new recruits it's always interesting to see new recruits starting their Celtic careers as well Brian is that something we're focusing on against the former club Sheffield Wednesday today as well I
5: think so yeah like, I think we're always looking for wee nuggets and the formation about players aren't we and- how they perform and stuff but you obviously you can't make snap judgments on the players either if Big Urugidi has a nightmare today you can't be saying oh he's a dud so I think you've got to take a pinch of salt but yeah of course you're going to be looking at how he performs and, and I think you've probably got a better idea where Ange thinks we need to strengthen depending on who he plays so I know we spoke about priority areas and we spoke about what we think is the priority areas mm-hmm. but it would be interesting to see you know, because I certainly disagree with Colin that I think because we're so close to Mitchell Land game, I think we'll see a similar system we're going to play. I think you will be trying to say, look, this is how we're going to play. Let's practice this and fill the gaps accordingly. So I think we'll be excited to see that side of things. And as you say, yeah, you're, you're always focusing on the, the, the new guys coming in. But it's, I think it's just as refreshing to look at some of the younger guys and see if there's any any nuggets there any gems that's
6: where they, that's what I kind of get excited about if I'm honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, sorry Paul how long ago now was the fan media conference are we talking close to two weeks now a uh, week and a half yeah yep. uh, the, the, the thing that I took away from that was when he was asked when do you think you're going to bring in your first signing and he said he wanted it in yesterday we've only <laughs> really signed Duragidi since then mm-hmm. so what is holding up these transfers if there is is that a concern for you Colin the, the,
4: the slow-moving nature of this at the moment is that is that concerning you I know there's a couple of names flying about at the moment and by- this week on the marketers report
0: Patrizio Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in
1: on building trust
0: Not just a media company iHeart Media is your access company Go to iHeartResults.com for more
4: By the way these are unconfirmed names uh, Just for uh, David Kelly who Says we, we always speak about Unconfirmed nonsense etc Well yeah this is gas- it's, it's pre-season It's gossip about speculation About footballers and Carol Staffelt is, is the latest one to be thrown in mm-hmm. um, The Swedish Internationalist who I think when you look At that it's a slightly different type of player than the ones that we've been bringing in because I know obviously when you look at the, the two new signings it's a, a 20 year old and a 21 year old coming in from Sheffield Wednesday Colin and in, in Poster Coglu's um, answer uh, recently in the press conference that he gave to the Celtic TV he was talking about uh, the development pathway and the fact that uh, Uro was was happy to go down the development pathway and again You know, you read into all these things, what does that actually mean? It's a development, I guess, for the player using Celtic as a stepping stone. It's a development Mm -hmm. for a player who comes to Celtic for, let's say, two or three years and then moves on. Um, Are you happy that that's the type of player we're looking for? Or would you much rather we went in for guys that have already proven themselves at international level?
6: I think you need a balance of the two of them. Um if you're looking at guys like Starfield, um who I believe is, is 27, 28 now. Twenty-six. Um, is that all? I thought it was all done that. Um I could these do are it. guys these are guys that you're going to bring in for the likes of maybe two, three seasons. Um and then if they do well, they'll probably extend their stay and move on, similar to the likes of Mikael Lustig, mm. um who wasn't just mentioned because he's a sweet, but that is the, the way that he kind of came in. There was never at any point where you're thinking Lustig's going to make that move down south for 10, 15, 20 whatever sort of money that seems to get thrown I think it's a good out.
4: comparison yeah I think it's a good comparison that Colin. You know you, you're Whereas, buying a ready-made player there aren't
6: you? Yeah. Whereas Urigidi has obviously been sold on the fact that there has been players very similar to him maybe not in his position um, that have came up and made that move where yes they might have been getting a bit of game time down south mm-hmm. but there hasn't been that conti interest from a Premier League club in England so they've come up here, they've developed they've played in front of the big crowds they've got the European experience as well and then they've made that move onwards it doesn't work for everybody but when you've got the success stories that you've got it's enough to sell a young player to make that move up to Scotland.
4: Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, Brian his thoughts on that as well. But before I move on from this Bray Wanderers game, uh, Jai Hamilton in 1-2, very defensive from O'Neill's first game. I could never have told you, if uh, this was an Axon quiz, that Raphael had started Martin O'Neill's first ever game in charge of Celtic. I could never have told you that. Three That's a one surprise. That was the one big surprise when I looked at it.
6: Three centre halves when you look at it. So was he already trying to integrate that three-five-two? So he's already, Potentially. Put his own, he's already put his own stamp on the team, although massive changes after that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you have any concerns yourself, Brian? I mean, we're using the the Martin O'Neill example. You know, he he plays his first pre-season game. Um, We're quite close. We're only 21 days away from his first competitive game. No new players had come in at that point. Uh, We've brought in a couple, both of whom um, I think the, the hards, the hard work had already been done with them. They'd been identified prior to Anne's coming to the club. Um, is it a concern for you? Or do you think that uh, it, it's basically, we we have put ourselves in a position where we can't be anywhere else at this stage?
5: I mean, I think that we have to take into account the Euros has been on as well, because that's going to tie up players, agents, stuff like that. So I think the market in general is going to be in flux anyway. Uh, My concern, as I've mentioned before, is... I don't want us to spend this transfer on those stockpiling younger players because we need players that can come in and do our job. So we get this big Swedish lad in, that's the type of players we should be signing. We need, we need, say five strong, established players to fit into that team and hit the ground running. And then if we've got a couple of younger guys around about it, we can develop them over the course. I feel like we should almost be two layers. Mm-hmm. So you've got your, your senior pros that are starting right away and then throw the rest of the squad. Your younger talent, as the season goes and they develop and they start to wind it changes. And if you get your younger players at the end of it, young, athletic, fit, strong, that's going to hopefully sustain the club for a few years. But I mean, if you're the interesting thing with buying younger players is, you know, if they come in and they do great for a couple of years, they're going to move on anyway because a bigger club's going to come and get them, or a richer club rather. If it's an established international, you bring it in. Chances are he's here for a few years until he gets too old and to moves on so I think the side club players regardless of their age is probably quite limited anyway with a few key exceptions so my concern I, I kind of gathered that this was going to be a long transfer window mm. a because of the size and age, because of the, the timing with the Euros and obviously Brexit and uh, the pandemic as well they're going to be factored in but in terms of the, the players we've identified so far I don't want it to ground the, the route we we've no time to develop a team, then we need to get a team in place that can function, and then we can add that sprinkling of a youth throughout the season. I think we can kind of rely on younger guys right away. No, 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 with the rebuild we need to do.
6: But I mean, does it not then come down to the quality of the signing that you are going to be making? So, see if you brought in someone like Vukcevic, who, by all accounts, listening to um, Craig Moore today, says that the, the deal's gone cold on that one. But if you were to bring in someone like him. Would you see him as a first-choice pick in centre-half or are you still expecting Celtic to go out and sign two established players and then you've spent that £3-4 four million on someone like him and he's only getting irregular game time until he's settled in as such?
5: That's what I'm saying. I think I think what Celtic will do is they'll be trying to get these guys and in, in, in maybe play them right away, but we don't know. It's just my opinion is I think we need, especially in centre-defence, you know... You need at least one really strong, experienced centre-half and really lead it at the back. And it's the same with your full-back areas. It's fine having younger guys in and, and, you know, sort of bleeding them in, but imagine, like, this guy you're talking about, the Croatian boy comes in at 19, and has a nightmare. But because he's the the first choice centre-back, he has to play every week. You know, younger guys, by definition, are up-and-down consistency. So do we risk playing a guy like that who may be up-and-down and hope he develops. Surely, it's more sensible to have someone that's established that you know you're going to get six, seven, eight or ten every week, and have a younger guy filtering in and out when he's having dips in form, because it's not going to benefit a young guy's confidence to play every week. And think, you
6: know. I think that's possible, but on both sides, I mean, we have seen some experienced heads that's came up to kind of guide Celtic through and bring these youngsters in, and they've had absolute nightmares as well. So it's I, I, I understand what you're saying I think it just comes down to how, how well the player's able to integrate into the team uh, and you take a look at someone like um, Jason Denier who came up here when he was what 20, 21 and immediately he was one of the first in that team because mm. of how good he actually was and we don't know what the, the likes of um, Starfield and Vuscovic could bring to the side but I would argue that if they're good enough then What does it matter? As long as they're putting the performance in week in, week out, then that's what we should be relying on. You will need the sort of experienced heads, as you're mentioning, in and about the squad, because you're looking for that experience. You're looking for them to sort of guide these players through. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be playing every week. I would rather that you put your best 11 on the pack. And if a player's going to make a mistake, he's going to make a mistake. He's only going to learn from it. But always play your best 11.
4: William Kennedy reminds us as well Colin because I think you mentioned O'Connor earlier on and we know that Ralston's part of the squad but uh, he can uh, play right back as well so mm-hmm. we might see an appearance for him uh, in that area of the park uh, on the point uh, some feedback coming in in relation to the story that broke yesterday, uh, just to clarify this may result in action being taken by the club or it might, and I don't think it would uh, result in what's been suggested in the comment section, criminal action but uh, even if it was the club that was taking action, it's something that we're not going to comment on whilst it is merely speculation Um, I mean, that is where we are with it. it's not a cop-out it would be the most sensible thing to do we're all aware of what we're talking about, we've all seen the tweets uh, but we won't be talking about it on Axom until we find out more about that and whether or not it is genuine and confirmed and that's where we stand on it Um, and I understand that people want to speak about it but I'm sure it will develop over the next few days now. I think, Brian, that's where you were coming from in relation to bringing in a player. And, I mean, Rodgers did it. Remember, you brought in uh, Turi just to get us through the qualifiers. Bringing in a player that you know you're going to get that level of performance from. You've got all the experience. And you mentioned it when the the story around Sviachenko came up, which um, I was going to say divided opinion. A lot of people are dead against that. I've seen it as a backwards step or at least a sideways step. But you thought, you know what, it's just filling a gap. Because let's not forget, Julian, who's been left at home, He's going to be back playing, I think September October time. So you know we'll be that will be upon us before we know it as well. Uh, and I'm sure that's in the back of Angie's mind.
5: Ah, you're absolutely right. And listen, if, I don't care if the squad's six full or sixteen year olds if they're good enough. There's a question when you're bringing in new players, are they good enough? And um, as I say, I think that it, it just goes back to pedigree. So you look at you mentioned Denier. He was coming from Man City, really highly regarded. He'd had some loan spells elsewhere. Um Uri said 21 games for Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. So there's a there's a difference there right away. You know, like, I, I hope the big man, the big man hits the ground running and is a one beater. And the same as any player coming to Celtic, I want it to be successful. But I think it's prudent, given the situation we're in, is to have a, a few people, you know, it's like we were said about Anj First getting in a few players in knows well, like the, the guy, um, is it Moy, the Aaron Moy? Yeah. I mean, if you say to me in a, a regular season, we're going to sign a 30-year-old who plays in the Chinese Super League, I'd, I'd have scoff probably, but the fact is, bringing him in, he knows exactly how Porticova plays, he could fit into his system right away while other players are getting used to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost, not paper like, papering over the cracks, but just having that sort of that sensible approach, that pragmatic approach to things, because the, you know it, we need to be sensible about things. And it's, I think, in any other season, I would probably agree more with you, Colin, that you'd be getting these guys in, developing in the future. But I just think there's a a few a few things we need to patch up, um, at least in the, the first the first instance.
4: Sorry. Sorry Colin, I was I was going to go back to this leadership uh, question there's, there's mm-hmm. a few comments about we need leaders and it's something I've spoken about as well and I guess you would have got that as well wouldn't you I mean he's a captain mm-hmm. of his current side um, who we're going to be facing um, just around the corner in a couple of weeks time less than a couple of weeks time as well Colin but I cut you off there, what were you saying there?
6: No, I was going to say it was interesting that the point Brian was making there about someone that knows um, about Ange and about the system that he plays, you've got someone like that at the club um, who not a lot of people have mentioned over the last couple of weeks, and that's in Tom Rodgick. Now, for me, if you get a fit, uh, involved Tom Rodgick, he's one of the best players in the league because he's so difficult to get the ball off. sees things that other players on the park don't see, is, um, his passing range is absolutely superb. Um, so the question I would put out there is, do you think that Tom Rodgick is someone that Andrew turned to over the next couple of weeks as his guy? Um, someone that he's worked with before that he can kind of gauge the the atmosphere in the room and work out where he needs to maybe make tweaks here and there through someone that he's worked with before.
4: Who do you think got the best uh, games out of Tom Rogic? Which manager, Colin?
6: Probably Brendan. Ben Rogers, Brendan Rogers, what do you think, Brian? Season. Yeah, I I don't think there's
5: any doubt. It was it was Rodgers. I thinking you. He also knew he wasn't a runner. I think he the way the team played around him, he didn't have to be that mobile. He could sort of receive the ball and, and play it through. Um but I, I think it's a good point Colin makes about him being his go to guy. I'm not sure he would I get the impression post the call was gonna be a kind even kill and make his own decisions. And I think I don't think Roger he's got that much of an advantage over the rest of them. Because he when he did publicly say he said issues is with his body. Mm-hmm. Um we're
4: just going to have to see him. Listen, when
6: Big Shredchenko comes back as captain, we'll, um, we'll see how that goes. Just, that throw, just ah,
5: throwing
4: a wee grenade, grenade in, in there, the Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, mute him, mute him quickly. <laughs> also, um, the point you make, Colin, yeah, it's one of these things, he's worked with Tommy, as he calls him, in the past, he's he spoke about concerns about his body, but where would that leave David Turnbull, who obviously was a star performer last season, Colin?
6: I think you're not going to see David Turnbull and maybe not this game or the next game I know they're back within the squad they're doing training but you'll maybe see him coming on maybe 10-15 minutes here and there I can't see him starting just because of being away with Scotland at the Euros as much as he didn't get game time it's he was obviously involved there so I think the Scottish guys um, they'll definitely get integrated throughout this time but not straight away so Roderick's got the chance to go in there and show what he can do Um, and basically have a fight between him and uh, Turnbull for that jersey. Not an actual fist fight, but show Postacoglu what he can do. Because I think, honestly, on his day, he's one of the best players that we've got at the club. We've just not seen that. The the consistency from him over the last couple of seasons has been frustrating, but everybody Mm. knows the magic that he's got with his feet. Yeah, no,
4: absolutely. And uh, Roddy S comes in. What's happened to Kevin Graham? Any... Theories on that, Colin? What's
6: happened to him? I've heard he's down at the game tonight doing a scouting mission. England all versus right. Denmark.
4: Yeah. OK, yes. And and yourself, uh, Brian, have you heard anything? I haven't heard. I just don't know. He's just dropped no, us he, like a hot he, potato. Nah, uh, he's a
5: scallop pimple nearly. He could be, he could be a wee, wee, wee town in a boat somewhere. All- this week
0: on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in
1: on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Oh, you know, it could be uh, uh, maybe he's, maybe he's anyone. Maybe it's anyone talented. The mentions he keeps all covering
4: Last time i seen him, he was doing a Gallagher with a skill in reciting poetry to it. So who knows? He will be back next week. He's just taking a couple of weeks off. So uh, welcome back, Kevin, next week when you are back on the show and also when you're back on Scream and Celica as well. Now, we've already looked a wee bit closer at Martin O'Neill and his introduction as a Celtic manager. Brian, tell us a wee bit about Brennan Rogers coming in in 2016. Where were you? Where were we as a club? And how did we perform in his first game?
5: his first game was a friendly against the Slovakian side I think I'm seeing this probably N.K. Selj I hope that's right mm-hmm. uh, for our Slovakian fans um, <clears throat> and I think when, when, when Rogers came in it was Hollywood stuff wasn't it it was I remember I'd heard about it I think a week or two before it happened and totally dismissed it I thought no chance no chance he's coming but he came in compared to Mark Reeves, um first 11 free friendlies Actually, there's, there's quite a lot that, that were mainstays at Rogers' side, kind of from the start, because they didn't actually sign many players. Mm-hmm. So I'll read out the starting 11: so, Craig Gordon, Fisher at right back, Svichenko, future Celtic captain, Big Chris Ayer <laughs> Kieran Tierney, Beaton, Johansson, Scott Allen, Celtic legend, um, Colin's favourite, Christy. Griffith, the goal machine, and Jamesy Forrest. Now, if you look at the amount of players from that, they went on to have you know, mainstays of his side and are still mainstays of the side just now. It's quite impressive that that was his first. Mm. The second half is a bit more interesting. The key figures for that are Rodjick, Armstrong, and McGregor. They came on to, to complete the second half. We mm-hmm. also had was um, from another Celtic mainstay a guy that I know um, is a bit of a, a hero among Celtic fans we had uh, Anthony Ralston made his debut I think um, we had the uh, Connell Yanko, mm. left back who was then replaced again midway through the second half uh, by Lindsay that. we had Paddy Roberts Axel on favourite um, Chief Chi, and Tommy Logic. Come on, um, and also um, Henderson, young Henderson, who went on to then play blind straight in Italy, but if you look at that starting eleven, you know, Gordon, Ayer, Tierney, Econ, Christie, Griffith, Forrest, and then McGregor coming on second half, that's, you know, Dembele, Scott, Sinclair aside, that was pretty much he's going to go to start the mm-hmm. living. So it was really interesting how, how they started off that way. And um, I think one of the things that Rodgers brought that I hope Postacoglu brings was that he improved almost every single player at Celtic at the time. You know, it wasn't a, a rebuild the way Mark Neal did where he brought in a, a set of raft of players. Rodgers really took, you know, Big Kulaturi, Dembele, Sinclair and then developed everyone else. You know, he, he transformed Armstrong into the player he is today. I think McGregor played his best football under him. Mm-hmm. He turned Forrest into a goal scorer. And that's what real strong coaching and real strong mentality brought him. And I'm hoping Costa does the same. So we may not need. Uh, I think we need more signings than, than just a couple. But it may be the case that there's some guys he he really develops and actually become mainstays of the side for a long time to come.
4: Another thing I would use. Um... Uh, and yeah, uh, compare uh, this with Collins' team as the young guys who were involved um, coming on as substitutes so uh, Leo Fassan Anthony Ralston Yona Connell uh, Jamie McCart who went on to win three domestic trophies elsewhere yep. uh, as well as Jamie Lindsay and um, Liam Henderson how many of those players Colin actually made them a career for themselves at Celtic I know Ralston's still here so <laughs> I mean you could make an argument for that uh, but you know if you get a clutch of four, five, six players it's very unusual that four or five of them are going to be mainstays and make a career if you get one out of the, the crop today I think we're going to be happy with that mm-hmm. um, interestingly enough you brought up a wee blast from the past in Sari Yanko look at what happened when he left Celtic? Look at the clubs. If this was one of Laura Bradburn's, where did he go next? Look at the clubs he's played with. Barnsley, St Etienne, Porto, Nottingham Forest, Young Boys and Real Valladolid. And when he was it, Young Boys, he won a double, including a league title. Um, I think uh, the the manager at that time was... uh, inadvertently linked with Celtic when we were looking for Ange Postacoglu um, as well the young boys manager who has gone to pastures elsewhere but you look at some of these names and you think you know the first goal scored under Martin O'Neill was scored by Tommy Johnson the first goal scored Mm -hmm. under Rodgers was uh, Nadir Nadir Chiefty who's going to get the first goal under Ange Postacoglu Uh, interestingly enough I think uh, by the time the first game was played Brian uh, He had been a manager. Brendan Rodgers had been in charge at Celtic for 41 days. Um, So roughly the same as as Martin O'Neill, a few days longer. And he had uh, brought in one player, but again, it was a legacy player who Celtic had already identified in Musa Dembele. We were 12 days away from his first competitive game. And from that first list of players that you read out there, seven of them were to feature in the Scottish Cup uh, invincible clincher when the aforementioned Tommy Roddick scored that memorable goal. So it is interesting, it will be interesting again, to look back with hindsight at today's game. I'm going to ask you though, uh, Colin, what, you first? Give me a line-up for today. I asked the boys the other day and they bottled it. Give me a line-up for today.
6: I think we could see Barky in goal, um, starting the game. Somebody told me this wasn't a this was just a Ange Postacoglu thing apparently. His nickname across the team has been Barky. So we'll go with that. Uh, I think we we'll see Leo Connor at right back, um, Uragide and probably Welsh in at centre half. Wouldn't be surprised to see volleyball and goalies play as well. Um, if not, then I'd probably see Montgomery out there because um, I don't see Greg Taylor starting. Right midfield's one that I'm not 100% sure on. I'd love to see Musa Dembele, eh, not Musa Dembele, Karamoko Dembele. I'd love, I'd love to see Musa Dembele as well, mate. I'd love to see Moussa as well. Um, I think we might see Shaw. Um, playing in the defensive holding role uh, Liam Shaw also wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Scott Robertson get a game um, a kind of wild card that could be thrown out there as a living in charm. he's down there with the squad Um be interesting to see where Foster Coglu sees him fitting in I think he'll play Rogic, Mickey Johnson and I think he'll go with Hodson Edward up front
4: if he goes with Edward is there any reason why you wouldn't go with Iyer has he been ruled out that I'm unaware of Colin or do you just think it's a matter of time before it's confirmed that he's leaving the building uh, We
6: talk right if we go with Edward up front then it's not Iyer is that what you No Iyer up front I'm saying why not play Iyer Oh right we Iyer. Playing,
4: you, They're both in the same situation in terms of they're in that phase of purgatory where Mm -hmm. we're expecting both of them to leave but we've taken them and if you're going to play Eddie why not play Ayer and I don't mean up front
6: (laughs) Right, um, right, okay get that, Um, no I think you will see a bit of Ayer playing today in one of these studs if there is that the case, I just don't think he'll start, I think he came into the training system after Edward so he's not had as much time with the squad as what Edward has just um, I think it's just a timing thing Cool.
4: What about yourself? Would you make any changes to that team, Brian? Uh, I mean, how do you see them lining up? Mikey Johnson, if we're going to be playing uh, someone wide left, it needs to be him because he's the only player we've got who can fill that position, I think.
5: Uh, yeah, I think it will probably go for, I think he he prefers a sort of 4-3-3, so probably similar to Colin. I think you'll have Barkis um, in goals. Um, I think probably Ralston right back. because you just given a new contract, they might fancy trying him out. Um, I think we have um, Urigidi, and then I think you might play Shaw at centre back I think uh, I've got the feeling he might actually be this ball playing centre back
2: mm. he
5: fancies so I think you might see him I think um, Monty left back I so love that nickname um, I think you see probably Connell Turnbull and then maybe Robertson sort of holding and, and up front I think you have um, Dembele, sadly no Musa Johnson. I think I think you play Albi, but I think Eddie's going to stay. That's just my view. show. I, I think Eddie will see out the season. I don't think he's going to go because I think they're they're probably thinking by the thing you sell him and then get they try the the, the add on fee at PSG. You're not going to make that much profit, whereas you probably keep him for a year and your a term, So. If, if you see him, I think he might actually stay, whereas I think Ayer's definitely off. So just throw that you grenade in there, but um, I think see I'll be starting today, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Eddie starts.
6: You were mentioning earlier, Paul, about players that we might quite like to see getting a bit of game time today. Leo Helge is another one just mm-hmm. came to mind there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about the sort of centre-half thing. Maybe him and Ayer will get one of the 30 minutes alongside each other and um, we'll maybe look to see what the preferred partnership will be at the back you'd think at the minute it would be Iron and Welsh because they've played alongside each other but maybe playing a couple of young boys alongside an experienced head like Brian mentioned earlier might just see what you can get out of them It's Poster Coglu brought his son along like
4: Anton Rodgers just to give him a wee runabout now?
6: I actually didn't think he would the worst game when he played for us. Did he not nearly score as well?
4: <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that we, the signs were right there. Um, that was poor. It was really that, poor. That was poor. that was poor. David Kelly, Kev's flicking through his CDs for his next show. I think Kev's still on the gramophone sitting there with his house coat on and his pipe uh, considering what music he's going to talk about next Tuesday. Um, see, when we're looking at the, uh, the backlash as well, Colin, of, I'm going to... Yeah, so everybody knows um, the the categories we're talking about. Mainstream media, fan media, alternative media, rebel media. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it seems to have been categorised into you're either a mainstream or you're part of this alternative fan movement. There was a a huge backlash, obviously, after the press conference that you mentioned. And uh, I found it interesting that uh, a few high-profile Uh, journalists in Scotland came out and um, gave the fan media conference a lot of negative verbals on that and you know with with regards to that Colin I think I mentioned the other day that I don't like to just categorise a whole lot of that industry in one big pot because there's so many good people and and really really talented journalists within it um, but when they're focusing on one tiny wee aspect of the fan media conference, which lasted, I don't know, less than a minute, I would guess. Um, I thought that was a wee bit unfair, and they just thought that's that. You know, it's a bit of a bun fight at that stage. Uh, what was your thoughts on that, Colin? And where do you see the fan media movement going this season? And then I can maybe tell you some plans that Axon have got.
6: I think it was very easy. The the person in question um, made it very very easy for the mainstream media to pick it up and have a go at them. And because of that, it sort of swept all fan media under this one brush. I mean, that person, as far as I can see from everything within uh, social media and in the papers, that person's not been mentioned. That person's never been called out as this was the person that done it. But yet, every other fan media group that I've seen has said, oh, well, it must have been so-and-so from this one or so-and-so from that one. And they've continued to take the bullets for that one person who's continuing just to do what he does. So, I'm it's a real shame because it was an introduction to fan media for um Mackay and for Poster to see, right? Okay, let's see how this goes. Let's we've seen this as a growing trend. There's more and more of these outlets out there. Mm-hmm. Let's see what it's like. Let's let's give them the chance. And I'd like to think that. The balance of it, looking at it overall, the quality was very very good, so if you can weed out the sort of issues that it might cause then you've got a fantastic platform out there and it's a credit to everybody that was at that press conference who asked brilliant questions and got some very interesting answers out of both of Mm -hmm. them so let's, let's hope there's more of that going forward and you can keep it as professional as possible Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
4: I can confirm that we are working, um, hopefully this week, on getting something else together in terms of some kind of content from the club. So we'll see how that goes, Brian. I know you've got a background yourself within that field. I mean, what was your thoughts on it, Brian, uh, when it came to the point where it was really uh, a point of trying to rubbish fan media in many ways? I mean, I I know there was a couple of supportive uh, articles as well. Now. I was sent an interesting blog that was written by a, a, an award-winning blogger who spoke up for fan media and the quality of, of fan media and in particular. Axon, which was nice of them, but uh, obviously what happens is you get you, you you do all get tarred with the same brush as Colin says. Um, I think that uh, the longevity of it—it's um, not a flash in the pan. It's here to say, It's here to stay, Brian, and I think it's going to continue to develop. You're
5: absolutely right. And one of the things, so yeah, as you alluded to. Um, my background's in journalism, and one of the things that I live by in life and I do is that competition should inspire you to be better. Mm-hmm. So, if you do competition, don't attack it, don't get defensive, just improve. There's a reason fan media exists, and it's because of the failure of mainstream media to give a proper representation of how fans, fans see things, particularly in Scotland and particularly regarding Celtic. So, I think that there's a I mean one press conference has sent the mainstream media into a tizzy. So many people attacking fan media and jump jumping on this bandwagon and having a go and it's one press conference. Yeah. How are they going to feel after a season of press conferences? What they're going to have to do is look at themselves in the mirror, see how they can improve. And you know what? Check the ego and actually look and take some tips because I thought actually some of the questions, not just from um Natasha who represented us, but some of the other people that were there were really well put, really, really articulate, really well thought, and and really good, engaging questions that you simply don't get in a, a normal um, mainstream media press conference. So, I think instead of attacking fan media, we should be learning from it. Uh, you know,
4: you know the other thing I would say though, right, is. There has been occasions in the past, Brian, and I won't name and shame and all this kind of stuff, where people have taken the opportunity, for example, quite uh, famously, when Peter Lobel was was at a press conference and took the opportunity to throw a low bowler um, around an issue involving the club that had nothing to do with what the press conference was about. So it was something that was a a generic press conference, uh, be that a launch or even the introduction of maybe a new player or a manager calling. I can't quite remember what they... The situation was, but you know, a, a particular journalist threw in a grenade uh, about something that again uh, was going through legal proceedings. So, you know, when you are talking about. and I'm I'm at pains to say that I'm not going to put everybody in one group and say you are the the mainstream media therefore you are the enemy because I don't believe that, I honestly don't believe that Um, and I think it's wrong for certain individuals within that industry column to try and do the same with fan media because Mm -hmm. I mean various different platforms are available and some of them are doing it from their bedrooms or their kitchen tables, some of them are able uh, due to the fact that they have maybe built a platform to do it in a a more professional way but what you do get is you get opinions and it's real um and i just think i I agree with you as long as you maintain that professionalism and that doesn't mean say you don't you don't have a sense of humor you know, you can, no. you can you can have a laugh and, and all this kind of stuff, but as long as it's professional. Uh, and I just felt that uh, there was a wee bit of the fear factor, as Brian says. I mean, starting to call it a fundamentalist's fan forum. I mean, it wasn't that at all, was it? You know, no. it was 45 seconds of a brain fart that opened it. And I think the club will learn stuff from that as well, because... Perhaps it shouldn't have gone out live and it could have been edited and only those within the room would have known that that was the the opening salvo. So I'm looking forward to what we're doing um, at A Celtic State of Mind. Over the last year a massive part of that has been the live bulletin on a daily basis Um, live broadcasting has become part of our life be that during work calls using Zoom which I didn't even know existed uh, 18 months ago uh, to obviously doing things like this this will continue on a daily basis but Axom um, are working on various other productions fully produced shows that will be available on our YouTube channel um, several times not uh, daily uh, several times weekly several times monthly there'll be various shows coming out to you we've got a great, talented bunch within the Axrom camp and uh, they're all going to be involved as many of them as possible will be involved in the new shows as well so if you are watching it on YouTube get subscribing. you might win a genuine platinum BPI award that was given to The Verve uh, for Urban Hymns magnificent album and we've got loads of other giveaways Uh, just by clicking that subscribe button on YouTube I think we're about 10 away from 12,500 So get subscribing on YouTube Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter Follow us on Twitch We don't have a TikTok account yet I don't know how to use Instagram But we're all over the place, just get following Uh, All that's left for me to say is thank you once again Colin Watt for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind Brian, I'll see you in about an hour And we'll cover the lineup If it hasn't already been released Thanks everybody for getting involved